Real Golf Radio. It's a reround now on the tee. Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. Brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen. Protecting the rights of you and your loved ones. It's a reround on Real Golf Radio. Hey, welcome in. It's hour number three of Real Golf Radio. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper, and we welcome you into the Mountainland Supply Hour of Real Golf Radio. Mountainland Supply, your turf specialist with rainbird sprinklers, controllers, drip irrigation, and everything you need to irrigate your lawn like the pros. Go to Mountainland Supply. Dot com And really appreciate you being here on 1280 The Zone. Always a pleasure talking golf with you every Saturday morning, 6 to 9, right here on The Zone. Bob, it's uh, been a good couple of hours. We've, we've gotten through a lot of content. I love that we had a chance to catch up with Fred Funk. I mean, if you're talking distance, why not get the guy <laughs> who never had any and yet still <laughs> found a way to win eight times on the PGA Tour? And we caught up with him and... And asked him what he thought, you know, about yeah, was, this distance discussion. Yeah, it was pretty cool to to hear his comments. Uh, you'll be able to hear those here in a few minutes. But, you know, as a guy that that prided himself on hitting the ball straight, um, talked about his swing and what what he's been able to do uh, as far as hitting the ball straight. And um, but he never hit it, hit it too far. I mean, the furthest he ever hit it was 270 yards. Uh, he averaged 270 yards on the PGA Tour. Um, in one particular year, but most of the time he was between about 255 and and 270. Um, but here's a guy that that hit a ton of fairways, was either first or second every year in fairways hit. Uh, like you said, he won eight times. He contended in major championships and uh, and and's had a great career. Besides winning the Players Championship, he's had a great career. So uh, Fred Funk is a great guy. We love talking to him. Uh, you know we've been to a lot of events and been able to do a lot of cool things and get up and close and personal with the game and some of these players. But the thing about Fred Funk that stands out to me is 2004 Shinnecock U S open. Yep. And we went out on the range and Funkster was hitting drivers and we sat there and watched him and we were, you know, this was, this was 2004. It was a little, I don't want to say a little more, we, we were able to get a little closer, I guess I should say, to the, to the players than what we even can today, right, uh, as credentialed media. But, you know, as he was hitting balls, we were standing there and we were visiting with him and his caddy and we were visiting with a couple other guys that were standing nearby. And I remember uh, Funk got done hitting drivers. And he handed the driver to his caddy and his caddy went to put it in the bag. And just before he put the head cover on, I said, let me hang on a second. And I'm looking at the bottom of his of the driver head. And there is a precise, straight, white line right down the middle of the bottom side of that driver leading to the, to the sweet spot on the middle of that driver face. I mean, and it wasn't like a wide line that you maybe could have two or three T-widths. It was a single T-width, dead straight stripe, white stripe on the bottom. And I thought, well, no wonder this guy leads the PGA tour <laughs> in fairways hit every single year. I mean, he comes through that ball dead straight on that path every single time that Club I've never face, seen nice it. And square. What's that club face, nice and square oh, right through impact. Yep. And so I've found myself looking at the bottom of, of my driver. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, I, I thought it might be a cool little catchphrase for a company to talk about paint your, you know, paint your driver or something like that, like mm-hmm. the tour pros or whatever, you know, if you could, but I think it's just so hard to, I mean, that's more of a swing path thing than it is a driver thing, right? Yeah. A driver head thing. But it, when I look, 
I look at mine, I got lines coming from the toe, you know, down to the heel. I got them coming, you know, a little bit closer to center. And every once in a while, I get one that's pretty down the middle. And it's fun to see. It's I, yep. I, I think it's fun to see. It gives you definitely gives you an indication as to how you're swinging it. Right. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. I mean, you, I see, agree with you. you hit a big cut and then you go and you look at that, the way that ball, that T line goes from the toe in, you go, yeah, well, clearly it goes from the center to the toe. Yeah. Clearly I on an angle came across that one. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to talk about uh, some fun things with, with our, our good friend, Ryan Ballingy, golfnewsnet.com as he, you know, I have to call him out because he, he seems to have an issue with the celebrity day on Saturday of the CBS golf coverage at Pebble beach. And so I wanted to find out why and give him a little bit of a rash of crap about it and, and then have a discussion <laughs> and then bring him in on this distance uh, debate as well. Yeah. Uh, yep. Caddy joins us to talk a little bit about that also and uh, dive into Riviera. And I, I find it interesting, Bob, that Riviera tends to lend itself to the bombers when it yeah. seems to be one of the more shot makers golf courses out there on tour. Yeah, it's, you know, it can go both ways, but it seems like the bombers have taken control of it a little bit more as of as of recent the other thing that was really cool about about the caddy he had a couple great stories right mm. at the end he did drop a couple in there didn't he yep yep he gave us the old uh that putt cannot be made story which is correct one of my favorites that was one of them yeah and then a little bit about why the the celebrities are so good at pebble beach so stay yeah. tuned for the caddy he'll join us coming up in just a few minutes and it's brought to you in part by zion's bank we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business but first it's time to get out to fred funk as we mentioned an opportunity to catch up with this eight-time winner on the pga tour nine-time winner on the pga tour champions all-around good guy here he is the funkster hey fred how are you I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, good, man. Uh, so you're uh, you're in town uh, to play the Chubb Classic this week on the PGA Tour Champions. And how's your game? How are you feeling about golf these days? Well, I've been struggling to get back with my back. Uh, last couple of years have been a nightmare, but back feeling better. And um, uh, hoping. You know, I'm just trying to figure out how to get consistent again. So it's been a been a battle. You still loving it? You still uh, find yourself uh, like itching for the competition and uh, enjoy being out there competing with the boys? Yeah, I really do. It's uh, something I really realized how much I miss it with how little I played and how non-competitive I've been the last couple of years. And uh, you know, I didn't really picture myself going out like that. I really envisioned myself being kind of like a Hill Irwin and just keep fighting until I'm 70 years old, but it didn't work out that way. The body finally wore out, and um, you know I was supposed to have a fusion on my back about three or four months ago, and I tried these ozone injections, and so far those have worked really good. I got rid of the nerve pain. I still have a lot of tightness and arthritic pain, but uh, most of the nerve pain is gone, and you know, I can deal with the tightness and stiffness. That nerve pain is a whole different animal. What Tiger was going through, or anyone that's experienced nerve pain, is, mm. it's a different animal. Yeah, last week, uh, the PGA Tour champions for the first time played on the continent of Africa. You guys played in Morocco and Marrakesh. I was wondering what you thought about going there to Morocco and uh, what you thought about Marrakesh and, and the tour being there. I tell you, it was a great experience. Uh, Marrakesh is trying to, well, not trying. They're actually, um, well, they used us. Let me start over. They were using us to really advertise their golf destination mm -hmm. goal. 
they have a lot of golf courses there that they've built. Uh, the one we played was the Jack Nicklaus course. Uh, the city was the hotel was phenomenal. The food was great. The people were great. Uh, the mountains, the Atlas Mountains that are out in the distance are spectacular. Um, it, it was really a nice trip and pretty easy to get to. We, we left from Miami and, you know, got there in seven and a half hours. It was nine and a half hours back because of the headwinds, but, um, it was, it was really a good trip. And I was, uh, pleased with how friendly the people were and how good the food was and everything else. So it was, it was nice. Bob asked you that question because he's got a family history there. You know, his dad, Billy <laughs> Casper, he went there. How, how long? Your dad started going there back in the 70s, right? 1967. Oh, 60s. Yeah, that was go. the first time he went. Wow. I've been going since I was 10 years old. So I've been, I've been to Morocco probably a good 40 times in my lifetime. Wow, you've been there a lot. The, uh, yeah. That was so long ago, the mountains probably weren't there. <laughs> there, you, there you go there's the line of the day right there that was perfect that was perfect buddy that's great fred funk joining us here on real golf radio all right fred I, so i gotta ask you i mean look uh, you going back through your career um, you never did have much of any kind of a length advantage. If you really no advantage with length, but you were number one or number two year in year out and driving accuracy on the PGA tour. And, uh, you know, that got you eight wins, you know, against guys that could hit it a whole lot further than you. As I mentioned, you captured the players championship in 2005, um, which, you know, Sawgrass is, is, you know, no pushover by any means. When you hear the USGA, and the RNA announcing, okay, a quote unquote, we officially have a distance issue uh, and and a, and a problem that we need to address. Uh, how do you respond? What's your first thought as a guy that never really used distance for his 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 craft? Well, what's your reaction to what you've what you've heard and seen? Well, I've heard a lot of different reactions from other players. Phil's reaction and talking about the athleticism of the kids, and you can't argue that one. You can. Uh, Hear other guys' opinions that yeah, the ball's going too far. For me, um, I never want to penalize a guy that hits the long ways. I just don't want to give him a huge advantage. Where almost like an example of golf courses where you have to force carry a cross bunker or, or something in the fairway, or maybe even a lake, and it's 270 yards to carry, and that's not a big deal for most of the guys in the modern game but it would be wide open on that side and, and I would have to squeeze it in somewhere short and have a different angle in. And, and um, you know, I hate that kind of uh, issue with things where it becomes a huge advantage to be long and you're penalized for being short. Uh, but at the same time, I don't want to take a guy that is super long and keep the driver out of his hand by tightening it up at the other end as well. So, um, I still like that part of the game to be fair for everybody across the board, but the discrepancy between the long and the short, I think has gotten wider. And also I think that the, I agree with the athleticism with the kids. Uh, my son is one. He's, you know, he can fly, he drives the ball 182 ball speed, which is, you know, at the extreme limits of probably the only guys out there longer than that is Cameron champ and maybe one or two other guys. Um, but the problem I have is where you get this exponential gain on the drivers that are forgivable and, and the drivers have a, uh, uh, 
what's this coefficient of inertia or whatever it is, uh, the trampoline effect. So basically, mm-hmm. if you have, in my opinion, if you have a lot of speed, and I don't know where the threshold is, but let's just say it's 170 mile an hour ball speed, and you're talking about 114, 13, 15 club head speed, you can really benefit by the trampoline effect. And then if you have even more than that, you get more of a trampoline effect to the point where you're actually stressed in the face and you're going to crack those faces a lot of times because uh, the tolerance of that kind of force on the face will uh, cause it to break and you got to get another one. But then you put on top of it the aerodynamics of the golf ball, and if you can take advantage of that, which means you got to have a certain amount of speed, you get another exponential gain, in my opinion. Uh, so you're getting, with the advantage of being a lot of, or having a lot of club head speed, you'll get this trampoline uh, effect on the on the rebound effect of the ball, and you're also getting this aerodynamic, whereas the modern-day golf ball is launched much higher, much lower spin, and it doesn't come down where the old golf balls spun a lot. And I think yeah. in order to fix this problem, all you would have to do is get a golf ball that spins a little more. You wouldn't have to change. I don't think anything else now. I could be wrong because I'm not a scientist. But you get a golf ball that's going to, if these guys are going to launch it high and they get a little too much spin, the thing starts climbing a ladder and it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. And and you start to, and then it'll start curving a lot more, and they're going to hit it a lot more crooked so they got to figure out how to control that driver a little more and the drivers are very forgiving and the kids are much more athletic but there's a lot of uh engineering that has gone on and scientific um breakthroughs as as the usga keeps trying to tighten things down a little bit uh they find ways to beat it just like the square groove thing and everything else that you know has happened way back um that became a non-issue because the the uh, technology and the grooves and the design of golf clubs improved over the year, they find ways of beating it. So they did it with the aerodynamics and this trampoline effect, in my opinion, that needs to be either reined back in that way, which would be very difficult. I don't believe in well the, the other problem. I got to back up again. I'm gonna, but you're talking about less than one percent of the golfers can really benefit from exactly technology and that's the best of the best in the game and some of the maybe guys at the club that happen to have a lot of club head speed that can benefit from that uh for me i've benefited a little bit but i don't have near the club head speed especially now but even in my uh you know 10 years ago when i was at 20 out a little bit um that i can't take advantage of that trampoline effect i've never broken a driver because i hit it too hard um, and I can't launch the ball high enough and fast enough to take advantage of the, the ball. But the guys at the highest level, some of them are still on the Champions Tour, and a lot of them on the regular tour can really take this huge advantage. So I think they – I don't believe in having two sets of golf balls. I just think maybe just get a golf ball that spins a little more. Um, that may may do it. If, if they're going to do anything, the problem is it's going to make everybody shorter. Sure. <laughs> and that may, not, that may not go over too well with guys like me. You know, <laughs> I don't want to be shorter than I already am. But, uh, you know, right now I got to say, you know, I always was able to hit fairways. Now I can hit a fairway if I can reach them. 
So, <laughs> oh wow. So what? So what uh, about the golf courses? Are are they too manicured? Are they too pristine? That the golf ball once it hits the ground goes too far, or um, can they do some things like grow up the fairways a little bit more to kind of slow things down a little bit in in the fairways too? Well, they can. That's that. Well, they do that too much anyway. I think there's too much love for green and having golf courses look as lush as they can for TV and the members want their courses to look good. And, and, uh, I, I think a little bit of, uh, like, in my opinion, uh, I'll take the players championship and as an example, but, uh, we oversee the crap out of that thing for the March date. And when we had the May date, um, we didn't oversee it in the wintertime or really lightly oversee it. And we let it come out of dormancy and, and it'd be ready again. And, in May and it would play a lot firmer and a lot faster. And that's the way the TPC was designed to be played. And with the overseed, it plays really soft. Uh, I don't think the lizer is good in the fairway, but it looks really good. Uh, but I don't think it plays as good as it does. I would like to see him leave it and let it go Brown and let it, if it, if it does go Brown and a lot of times in Jacksonville doesn't get, cold enough to really let it go totally dormant so the course will be firm and fast the greens will be firm and fast and that's when the scores go up because when you give a score player for the best guys in the game uh no control where the ball's going to stop where, where it's running out especially when it's hitting the green that's when scores go up you give a golf course that's soft at eight thousand yards like they did at aaron hill hill and yeah. they light it up anyway so if you give a golf pro, they know where the ball is going to stop. They know how far they're going to carry it. It's what happens after it lands. So you can trick up a golf course like Marion. Um, they had extremely high rough and I think very extremely narrow fairways to protect the golf course that didn't have the length for the modern game. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't like to see that every week because um, you're really penalizing shots that are just a little off. Uh, massively with with a uh, with a really high rough that you're just hacking it out of. So I don't know where you go. It's kind of gone a little bit out of control. I understand the one problem is the other not the one problem. The other problem with it is that these courses believe they got to design these courses really long. And who are they designing these things for? They're designing for. The, either the one week if they happen to be a host golf course for a PGA Tour, and then the other 51 weeks of the year, it's, it's the members got to deal with that. Now, they have different sets of tees, but they make it so penal and so difficult for the members that it's, it's no fun. And so I, I think they they got to remember who they're catering to and, um, and where the game's going. They all want to make it. It's already a really hard game. All right, that was Fred Funk joining us right here on Real Golf Radio. It's brought to you in part by Siegfried and Jensen, helping injured people throughout Utah, 801-222-2222. 801-222-2222, Siegfried and Jensen. Stay tuned. When we come back, America's favorite caddy right here on Real Golf Radio. 
Hi, this is Ned Siegfried. Siegfried & Jensen can help you if you've been injured in an accident. However, one thing we can't do is change the amount of your insurance coverage. You need to do that before an accident. By calling your insurance agent today, you can significantly raise your insurance limits for literally pennies a day. You'll be shocked to find out how little it costs to really protect yourself and your family. To learn more about this and other important elements of an accident, visit us at SiegfriedandJensen.com. This is Bob Casper for Barbecue Pit Stop. I'm a Traeger guy, and I got their Timberline 1300 from Barbecue Pit Stop. It comes with a Wi-Fi app where you can see and adjust your cooking temps while sitting on your couch or if you're out and about. My Timberline has 1,300 square inches of cooking space and the ability to cook up to 12 chickens, 15 racks of ribs, or 12 pork butts. I love my Traeger grill, and you can pick up yours today from Barbecue Pit Stop with locations in Lehigh, Salt Lake, Layton, or at barbecuepitstop.com. Introducing the Amazing Rewards for Business 321 program. With the Amazing Rewards for Business Visa credit card from Zions Bank, you earn three points for select business purchases, two points for travel, and one point for all other purchases. Learn more about the Amazing Rewards 321 program at ZionsBank.com or your local Zions Bank. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Subject to credit approval, terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. Zions Bank, a division of ZBNA member FDIC. This is Brian Taylor. There are things in your life that stand out as significant, game changers even. They impact everything else you do. I'm not overstating when I say my choice to have LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision was one of those. Growing up, I had good vision. I never wanted glasses. One day in college, I realized I couldn't see the whiteboard. Finally, I broke down. I got glasses and contacts, and I was introduced to the world of irritated and dry eyes, contact solution, broken glasses, you name it. Finally, I had LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision. This was a game changer. No more contacts, no more solution, no more glasses. Instantly, I could see. It was so easy, and it worked. My only regret was waiting so long. Hoops Vision is world-renowned, and with the latest technology, they give you more options than ever. Do yourself a favor. Go to HoopsVision.com right now and schedule your free consultation. And mention Real Golf Radio and save $1,000 off your LASIK procedure. Hoops Vision is your key to making sure sure nothing gets between you and your life focus. It's one of those moments you'll always remember. The first D can teach young people how to hit a driver or how to stop a ball out of a bunker. But true success is measured by how well they perform off the golf course, by how well they use values like confidence, perseverance, and integrity in their daily lives. The first D helps young men and women become better golfers. But even more important, better people. Get involved. Visit thefirstseed.org. Hey, ever wonder how your favorite golf courses in Utah look so good? Pros and golf superintendents agree you should turn to Mountainland Supply for your turf irrigation needs. Mountainland Supply is the exclusive Rainbird golf distributor in Utah. What does that mean for you? When you need irrigation products for your lawn, you can trust Mountainland Supply will not only have what you need, but they can assist you in designing your sprinkler system with smartphone technology controllers, drip irrigation, pipe parts, and tools. Go to mountainlandsupply.com to find the location nearest you. Want to feel the need for speed on the golf course? Come into Uinta Golf and check out the new Cobra Speed Zone Drivers, Fairways, Irons, and Hybrids. The new King Speed Zone Driver and King Speed Zone Extreme Driver has been designed to go as fast and straight as possible. New Speed Zone King SC is Cobra's first ever carbon fiber iron line that delivers maximum speed, power, and forgiveness. Get custom fit today and receive a 50% bonus trade-in towards any new Cobra Speed Zone Series golf club. Uinta Golf, home of the 90-day satisfaction guarantee. 
It's a reround on Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. All right, welcome back to the Mountain Land Supply Hour of Real Golf Radio. Brian and Bob with you. Segment brought to you by Uwinna Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971 and home of the 90-day 100% satisfaction guarantee. You've heard us talk about the all-new Maverick Driver Irons, Fairway Woods Hybrids. They are all available, plus all the latest gear from your favorite manufacturers out there at Uwinna Golf, any of their locations up and down the Wasatch Front. Stop in, see them, hit them, and uh, get fit at uh, your favorite Uwinna Golf location. And uh, as I mentioned, that 90-day satisfaction guarantee. Look, if you don't like it, you bring it back and hey, try something else. I don't know where else you can do that, but you went to golf and serving Utah golfer since 1971. All right. As we mentioned, it's time for America's favorite caddy. There are bag rats and then there are caddies. Baby. Pro jocks who are legends in caddy shacks across the PGA tour. While we can neither confirm nor deny the existence of this legendary looper. Here he is. The Caddy on Real Golf Radio. Yeah, the Caddy joins us each week right here on Real Golf Radio. Caddy, how are you, my friend? So I didn't get to listen to the Fred Funk segment. Did he tell you that he has a face made for radio? (laughs) That's usually what people throw at me. I've seen the face on television. Fred, Fred uses that one all the time. Yep. Yep. Saw him on TV just a couple weeks ago. There you go. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Caddy. You start talking about distance. And, you know, the Funkster obviously made his living out there in professional golf and the PGA Tour with a lack of distance. And he he did it differently, right? I mean, he did not have the the tools, the physical tools to do what – you know, some of the other guys did, and yet he was still quite successful. Um, what What is, you know, when you start listening to guys like Luke Donald say, you know, who was, again, not a particularly long player, saying, look, these guys don't, you shouldn't have to take the advantage away from these long hitters. That's their advantage. They've worked hard to get it. Sure, they had some God-given talents and stature and strength and things like that, but they've worked hard to take advantage of their advantages, if you will. No, no sense stripping it from him. DJ, of course, he is one of the long guys. He doesn't think it needs to be changed. And he says, look, uh, you still have to chip and putt. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> what, what, are you, what are your thoughts since, uh, since last week when we sort of first broached this subject? Well, Willie Wood did say it's still, as long as it still takes two to reach par four, it'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I played with Willie Wood in a pro-am once, if you can believe it. Yeah, Willie was a nice, very quiet guy, very nice guy. Quite small. Quite small. So, I, I did outdrive him with regularity, just for the record. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, yeah. He probably out-earned you. Though. You were playing the up tees, though. <laughs> hey, Bob, there's there's no reason to throw in those little things. It's just radio. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> Caddy, I got a question for you. Yes. Well, I don't know if you answered that, that question, but okay, go ahead. I'm in. I'm currently in Washington D.C., and that was supposed to be a way of just deflecting it. So there let's you go. go to Bob's question. Oh, only, okay. There's only so much time on the show. Okay. So, all right. All right. You know, Caddy, yeah. how long have we known each other? I'd say since around 1988 ish. No, it's later than that. Eight ninety two. Later than that. Ninety two. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, at Doral. I think that's where we first met. Yeah, absolutely. And then when, I and then I you, I caddied for our, our our friend Keith Clearwater the rest of the year. 
Right. I think you I think you played at Doral, right? And that's where we probably met. I, that's probably. I played Doral a few times, yes, on the PGA Tour. Yep. There you go. Yep. yep. But here, I was going to tell this story about, about, um, about Riviera and the LA Open. So I had caddied for Keith the year be, or, or the week before at San Diego. He was staying at my house. I was living in San Diego, staying at my house. We got to the golf course on Saturday morning, and his caddy didn't show up. Have you heard this story? I did not. Okay, so his caddy didn't show up. So Keith comes walking out of the locker room 35 minutes before his tee time, and we're teeing off on the 10th hole. And he goes, he goes, caddy's not here. You're, you're, <laughs> you're looping for me today. So I went and went out and caddied for him and, uh, caddied for him the rest of that week. He had a 12th place finish the next week. He starts, he starts the tournament off at Riviera with a 65 in the first round, asked me to come to Riviera also. And then he told me after, after we finished top 10 at Riviera, he told me, you're going with me to Florida and then he said, you're caddying for me the rest of the year. So that's how I got my job on the PGA Tour as a caddy. So did, did he actually just tell you what you were about to do just like that? Um, yeah. He, well, not, what he said is he, he says, you're caddying for me at, at San Diego the last two days. I caddied for him the last two days. And then he mm-hmm. says to me, you want to you want to work for me next week in, in L.A.? And I said, sure. So we went up, I went up and worked for him there. And then he says, you're coming with me to Florida. And then I, we finished like third, second at Doral. And, and then he says, you need to call Kelly because you're going to work with me the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Traveling, yep. man. And that was when we couldn't wear shorts. We had to wear pants. And Remember how hot those summers were? And Especially like at, at Anheuser-Busch. Oh, the Anheuser was. That might have been the year of Anheuser '92. It was that was the hottest I've ever been in my life on a golf course, hands mm-hmm. down. It was it was like 105. Who knows what the humidity is there? It yeah, it was get crazy, any wasn't it? It's like Southeast Asia humidity there, and and 105, wearing khaki pants, mm-hmm. caddying, and I remember, I can't imagine. I must have two gallons of iced tea a day. Easy. Easy. <laughs> and still fell asleep at 930. It was, it was so hot that I didn't even feel like I wanted to eat. Oh, that was crazy. The Anheuser. Yeah. Even Memphis couldn't match it. Memphis is pretty much yep. considered the next hottest one, right? So. All right. Let me stop you because I do like feeling warm. And since we're still in winter in most parts of the country, however, uh, let's get back to Riviera real quick because I wanted <laughs> you to break this down. I, I think I this is inter- about Riviera. I know you were. So I'm saying let's get back to it. Okay. Um, I think it's interesting when you hear like JB Holmes is the defending champion and he, he talks about how great this golf course is and how you can really, it really requires all the clubs in your bag, you know, and you got, you know, drivable par four, you've got, you know, some longer holes, you've got shots, uh, holes that equally go left and, and right. And so he just says it's really just a golf course that is just a great golf course and great shot makers golf course. And yet if you look at the last few winners, really the last decade of winners, they've all been bombers. You know, you're talking the Bubba's won it a couple of times, DJ, JB. I mean, these guys are, are bashers, right? Um, the, the long hitters. I guess I find I'm a little surprised that a golf course like Riviera is so, I guess, favorable to the bomber 
And in that vein, the fact that it is so favorable to the Bomber, I'm still I'm so surprised that Tigers played this thing 12 times and never won it. So let me run you why run by you why it might be a good bomber's course. You've got holes like two, uh, eight up the left, nine, twelve, uh, sixteen and eighteen. I'm sorry, seventeen and eighteen and fifteen, where it's quite an advantage to be able to bomb it on those holes. You have lots of you do have lots of variations on the course, but it's a big advantage to be really long on those holes especially a hole like 18. That's a big deal. If you're 20, 30 yards longer, it's so much easier to play that hole. So I think that has a little bit of something to do with it. It has enough, kind of like Marion. Marion's a short course, but it's got nine of the longest, hardest holes you've ever played. Mm. So it doesn't hurt to be able to, to be a long hitter there on those particular holes. It's, you know, so maybe that's what it is. Plus, could it be? Could it be that the par fives are all reachable too for the longer hitters? And, you know, 16 is a hole that is only like 570 or 580 yards, but it's going, it's kind of gradually going uphill in it. And, you know, it's definitely an advantage to be able to hit it long there on, excuse me, 17. Yeah. I, well, number one, obviously, is kind of just a long par four, really. Everybody can reach one. But, it is a it is a pretty nice yeah not many guys can reach if the bombers can reach eleven most guys can't the bombers can reach seventeen most guys can't so yeah that's that's again that's one of the set of five or six or seven holes when you can pick out seven holes on a course where it's a pretty big advantage to be a long hitter yeah it's kind of a long hitter's course all of a sudden isn't it so all right. Well, but it's not exactly like a, you know, bomber's paradise, like a Torrey Pines South or, you no, know, an no, Aaron Torrey Hills South, or, yeah. you know, those no, types. No, 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 no. It's not like, it's not like those at all. But what it is, it's kind of, it's kind of like spyglass. You have these seaside courses in California where it's cool and you're at sea level and a 7,100 yard course is so much longer than that. It's more like 74. So you have to kind of think about that too. It's not just because it says, I don't even know what it reads, 7,000 something, 71 something. Tack on a couple hundred because of the conditions. It always plays a lot longer than that. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Hey, the other thing that we were throwing out is last week at the AT&T, so many people tend to hate the coverage on Saturday of all the celebrities. What's your take on that? And having caddied in that tournament so many times and alongside celebrities, do you... I I argue, I think Bob and I are both in the same camp, that we kind of like it. It's a change. It's not something you see every single week. It's really something that you would, uh, you know, I call it a, a celebration uh, of golf, if you will. And uh, I, But other people just say, hey, look, give, give me a channel where I can only watch the tour players and I don't have to watch the celebrities. Do you fall one way or another? It's the clam bake. It's about the celebrities. It, there just happens to be a golf tournament going on. It's uh, it's all about the celebrities. That's what I That's think. My opinion. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. Why not? And to to some extent, uh, same thing in the desert. There, it's it's you, you get the president. Sometimes the president comes to play. It's sure. Yeah, I, I think I think Pebble, no question. It's, I mean, Clint Eastwood, the Crosby Clan Bay. Come on, Bill Murray. 
that's that's what you that's what that tournament's all about. All right. I'm I'm glad to hear you're on that that same page. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, Caddy, thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate it. I guess we didn't really talk too much about the distancing. That'll continue to be a topic of conversation throughout the year, but uh, we appreciate you spending some time with us, man. And next time I'll fill you in on the Scott Simpson four-foot putt story with Bill Murray on the 17th hole of the You want to drop it on us real quick? I could real quick. So Scott's playing with, with Bill. First year he's played with him, and Fluman's in the group, and Fluman's telling me this story. And so... Scott's got about a four-foot putt. This is in the tournament. I mean, it's, you know, it counts. Everything counts. Four-foot putt. And he's right over it. And Bill Murray says, hold on, Scott. And he backs him off. And he says to the crowd, ladies and gentlemen, Scott Simpson, professional golfer. And he starts clapping, and everybody claps. He goes, go ahead, Scott. You can putt now. So Scott (laughs) sets up to it again. He's just getting ready to drive back. Whoa, whoa, Scott. Wait, wait, wait. He says, you know, ladies and gentlemen, Scott Simpson is an accomplished PGA Tour professional. There is no chance, no chance he can miss a putt like this. Go ahead, Scott, knock it in. <laughs> Scott's oh, my. Shaking his head. Gets over it third time. Wait a second, Scott. Hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we show, he just got a little more love, a little more love before he makes this putt. So, yeah, they clap again. Scott said it was probably by that point in time, harder than the putt to win the U.S. Open. <laughs> but he made it. He did make it. So that's, that's, that's why it's a, a unique tournament. You just don't get that anywhere else. That's that is true. Story. That is true. Tried to ice no, his own I, man. I like it. Now, I'm, I've got to throw in one of the great player-to-caddy lines, and I'm sure we've said this on the show. Neil Lancaster, eighth hole, Ian Doigie's caddying form. He says to Doigie from across the green, I've got a 40-footer. Hey, Doigie, what's this putt doing? Doigie goes, Cuz, I've been out here for 25 years. That putt cannot be made. <laughs> and Cuz, Cuz looks right at him and he goes, Doigie, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> that's a line. That's a famous line among caddies. That putt cannot be made. <laughs> that's oh, awesome. Beautiful. Fired him on the spot. Well, he didn't really. Ah, got you. All right. Well done. Hey, and with that, we'll let you go. Thanks, Caddy. Thank you, gentlemen. All right, there you go. That was the Caddy. Always enjoy visiting with him each and every week right here on Real Golf Radio. And before we go to break, Bob, it's time for uh, the barbecue pit stop, uh, I guess, barbecue discussion. The pit master (laughs) discussion. We think we're something. We're probably about like those celebrities playing at the Pebble Beach event. That's right. We're, we're just amateurs. We are very much so. <laughs> but we like to get after it. And uh, this week, uh, I am all about two things. Okay. Pulled pork uh-huh. and tri-tip. There you go. See, I did tri-tip last week. It was perfect. So this is how I do my tri-tip. Two, 225 till it hits 120. And then I kick it up to 450 degrees and reverse sear it for about three to four minutes on each side. Comes out perfect. 
I don't know how else you can create a tri-tip as well as if you have one of these pellet smokers. And you can get them at Barbecue Pit Stop and BarbecuePitStop.com. They also have the rubs and sauces and everything you need to go with it to help you become a Barbecue Pit Master. A regular old grill just won't cook it as well as these pellet grills do. You get some amazing flavor. You can slow cook it. You can keep it all, all, t- all the juices in there and just soak up the... F- oh, man, it is... Uh, now it's I'm unbelievable. Hungry. Now I'm hungry. Go to Barbecue Pit Stop. They have three locations in Lehigh, Salt Lake, and Layton or online at barbecuepitstop.com. All right, short break. We'll come back, and Ryan Ballingy joins us next. Hi, it's Ned Siegfried. Siegfried & Jensen has been around a long time. We've been handling injury cases for over 30 years. During this time, Siegfried & Jensen has had the privilege of helping tens of thousands of Utahns. If you've had the misfortune of being injured in an accident, we'd love to help you as well. To talk to us for free about your situation, call us at 801-222-2222 or visit us at SiegfriedJensen.com. Temperatures are dropping, and you know what that means. Frozen pipes, busted sprinklers, and worse. Turn to the experts at Mountainland Supply to get you the right products for your yard that will last this time. Mountainland Supply is an exclusive Rainbird Golf distributor in Utah. That means the golf pros and superintendents trust Mountainland Supply and Rainbird for their sprinklers, controllers, pipe, and everything they need to irrigate their golf courses. Shop where the pros shop. Go to mountainlandsupply.com to find the location nearest to you. Introducing the Amazing Rewards for Business 321 program. With the Amazing Rewards for Business Visa credit card from Zions Bank, you earn three points for select business purchases, two points for travel, and one point for all other purchases. Learn more about the Amazing Rewards 321 program at ZionsBank.com or your local Zions Bank. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Subject to credit approval, terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. Zions Bank, a division of ZBNA member FDIC. This is Brian Taylor. There are things in your life that stand out as significant, game changers even. They impact everything else you do. I'm not overstating when I say my choice to have LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision was one of those. Growing up, I had good vision. I never wanted glasses. One day in college, I realized I couldn't see the whiteboard. Finally, I broke down. I got glasses and contacts, and I was introduced to the world of irritated and dry eyes, contact solution, broken glasses, you name it. Finally, I had LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision. This was a game changer. No more contacts, no more solution, no more glasses. Instantly, I could see. It was so easy, and it worked. My only regret was waiting so long. Hoops Vision is world-renowned, and with the latest technology, they give you more options than ever. Do yourself a favor. Go to HoopsVision.com right now and schedule your free consultation. And mention Real Golf Radio and save $1,000 off your LASIK procedure. Hoops Vision is your key to making sure nothing gets between you and your life focus. It's one of those moments you'll always remember. Hi, fellow sports fans. It's Ned Siegfried. What would we do without sports? Following our favorite sports teams, whether it be the Jazz or the Utes or the Cougs, takes our mind off the many challenges in life. Accidents and their resulting injuries are certainly unexpected challenges that many people are forced to deal with. If you're one of these people, we'd love to talk to you about your situation. Call us at 801-222-2222. We'll talk to you for free or visit us at SiegfriedandJensen.com. Hey guys, BT here, and Bob and I are two happy customers of Barbecue Pit Stop. I'm absolutely in love with my new Yoder YS640S. This 
is the most versatile smoker grill I've ever used, and its Wi-Fi makes it a cinch. I feel like a barbecue pit master. Hey, whatever you need from grills and smokers to rubs and sauces, Barbecue Pit Stop has it for you in one of their three locations, Lehigh, Salt Lake, or Layton, or online at barbecuepitstop.com. Reshape your golf game at Uinta Golf with the new tailor-made Sim family. The new Sim Shape and Motion Series is here, featuring the Sim, Sim Max, and Sim Max D-type drivers, fairways, and rescues. Sim woods have been reshaped to increase your distance and swing speed, while the Sim irons are made so you no longer have to compromise distance and feel. Get custom fit today and receive a 50% bonus trade-in towards any new tailor-made Sim Series golf club. Now at Uinta Golf, home of the 90-day satisfaction guarantee. It's a reround on Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. All right, welcome back to the show. Hey, you ever wonder why your favorite golf courses in Utah look so good? That is during the summertime. Well, it's because the uh, pros and golf superintendents agree that you should turn to Mountain Land Supply for your turf irrigation needs. Go to Mountain Land Supply or mountainlandsupply.com to find the location nearest you. And uh, we appreciate you being with us. Brian and Bob with you here, and as we mentioned, if you missed any part of the show, we'd like to bring you some of our interviews that we've done for the first couple of hours, so if you're just rolling out of the rack or joining us, uh, you know what, you get a bonus hour right here on 1280 The Zone every Saturday morning, 6 to 9, and uh, we had a chance to catch up with Ryan Ballinger, our good friend from golfnewsnet.com, and give him a little bad time and find out why he doesn't really like that celebrity uh, day Saturday on the CBS coverage of Pebble Beach. I can't, I, like when I turn on pro golf, I want to watch pro golfers. And if I wanted to watch a bunch of 15s and 9s or guys that say they're 2s but are really 8s hacking around, I would just go play golf. You know, I can do that. And I know those people as opposed to people who have way more money and way more celebrity and way more influence than I'll ever have and I can't identify with. I guess that's what throws me off is uh, because I can't identify with any of those people and I – not because of age or anything. I mean, I, I, I know plenty of them. They're NFL quarterbacks. They're actors that I've watched and revered and really liked. But for some reason or other, I just can't empathize with them. And so if I'm going to watch a pro golf telecast, then I want to watch some pro golf. And I want to watch people hit a lot of good shots. And I understand why people like it. I understand why people re- mostly responded to me who are defenders of it. That it's just one day a year. You're absolutely right. It is one day a year. It's not every week. Uh, it's not that bad. But when you realize that that day is coming, it, it kind of in me stirs up <laughs> old memories of, oh, not another, you know, CBS, Konica Minolta, Swing Vision camera of Gary Mule Deer swinging at Pebble Beach. It just it doesn't – I would to be honest with you, I would rather them – if they're going to do the celebrity thing, show up as many beautiful angles at Pebble Beach as humanly possible because there are so many of them. And just don't say anything. Just let them hack it around and go, hey, wasn't that, don't you wish that were you today? Then I might be a little bit more interested. But that's well, it, you, right? You get to at least watch half of the professional golfers play, half of the airtime. I mean, they do give you some shots, but then they, it just feels like the interviews with the players are just so the, – the celebrity players – are just so contrived and it's really hard for those. I mean, they're there trying to have a good time. And I know that the the celebrities are also trying to be as accommodating as possible at CBS and be entertaining, but they're also just trying to have a good time. So I I just feel like it, 
it just doesn't work for me. That's yeah. all I can say is it just doesn't work for me. Well, I look at it, Ryan. I say, you know what? Look, it's Pebble Beach. Uh, it's the old clam bake, you know, sort of, you know, in modern, modern day version, if you will. And they, you're right. Back in the day, they probably didn't have the same TV coverage that they have today and uh, probably not the same access. But, you know, for me, I, I look at it and I say, you know, what? Here, here are people that I normally associate with other things, whether it's other sports or other industries or actors on screen, on stage, whatever. And, uh, and here they are out here, just like I would want to do on a Saturday afternoon. If I had the opportunity to go play such a beautiful venue, you know, on a great stage as such as a PGA tour event, you know, and playing alongside the best players in the world. If I had that opportunity, I would want to do that. Do I identify with them? No, cause I'll never be there. Yeah. Um, but I also don't identify with the PGA tour players going out and shooting 64 and 63 cause I'll never be there. So, um, I, I guess I hear what you're saying. I don't want to tune in to CBS for the annual celebrity, um, you know, if it was a weekly celebrity golf tour, I'm not really interested in that. In fact, I never watched Tahoe. You would think from all this right. conversation, I'd be all about watching Tahoe. I don't. I just yeah. think it's something about, so it has to be mixed with the tour pros and not be an exclusive amateur event. But to me, it's that celebration, kind of like what you'd see. And, and let me ask, let me ask you this, because this is what Bob and I talked about last hour. The, the Wednesday par three at Augusta has evolved and now it's, it's all about the families and the caddy suits and the wives and the kids yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Did, does that bother you or are you good with that? I think I'm okay with that because it's still mostly professional golfers hitting shots and there are enough like holes in one or close holes in one. We're like, Hey, this is really exciting. And I, you know, I, I do like, I mean, I am a father too, so I still am appreciative of children being cool children. Um, but people who are, you know, 63 and worth zillions of dollars, you know, they're not hitting shots at, at Augusta Nationals Par 3 course. No. They're, they bought tickets to go to Berkman's Road and, and hang out there. So I, I guess it does feel a little bit different. And I, and I will say about the, the, the uh, Pebble Beach portion of this that maybe if it weren't CBS doing it, maybe I would have a refreshed view of it. Because I also get upset that CBS shows – so show so few golf shots on the regular weeks that they have the PGA tour coverage where okay. it's like two shots in a commercial, a shot in a commercial, a shot in six commercials that I feel like they, maybe they're not the best people to deliver the message about the celebration of golf. Bob, get a box of chocolates uh, in the mail for Ryan, will you? Yeah. He, he needs some yeah. love. That's all. He needs some love. A little more love. You know, he, you know, ro- Ryan, they could be making up. And- they're, those weeks when they're throwing in all those commercials and stuff, they're probably making up for the week that they they have Augusta and the Masters. Well, right, yeah, they got to make good on the fifty six minutes of golf every hour that we get during the Masters. So, <laughs> and there it is. All right, look, we've taken about half our time that we have available to talk about that, but I just I just had to. I wanted to get your opinion because you can't have this kind of a conversation on Twitter. Uh, you just get little snippets, and that's cool. So anyway, thanks for sharing, man. And, and look, you're entitled to your opinion. I don't. If you hate it, that's fine. You can hate it. Apparently, enough people like it because they keep showing it. So um, exactly, I'm listen, in the minority, clearly, because otherwise they would have changed by now. You would think. You would think, right? <laughs> uh, all right. So let's let's go to this distance discussion. Uh, there was a a lot of players this week at Riviera that weighed in on, you know, thoughts about what the USGA and RNA are, are proposing, or at least that, look, they've come to a conclusion. And I, I wanted to get your take. What, what have you learned? What is your kind of, what do you see coming out of all this? I don't think anything. I mean, I, I, 
and I hate to be uh, skeptical. I mean, I guess I am, but I mean, I feel like I've been having this conversation about the golf ball going too far for like 15 or 16 years. And the data has been fundamentally the same. I mean, there have been some changes. Trackman swing efficiency has made uh, guys even longer. Uh, guys are pursuing strength training even even more. Thinking about Bryson and uh, and Brooks Kepka and some other guys, so they're getting a little bit more pop off the bat than that. But fundamentally, the golf ball represented about a seventeen or eighteen yard gain uh, when we went from Bellotta to solid core. That hasn't changed at all. Maybe gone up a tick here or there, and at the professional level, uh, especially for men who swing at, you know, 110 or more miles per hour with the driver, the golf ball goes really, really far. And yeah. every year the USGA and the RNA talk about this, like, yeah, no duh. Uh, we know that it goes really far. The question mark is, do you believe it goes too far? And if so, do you want to do anything about it? And I feel like none of those questions have really been properly answered by the USGA and the RNA. And they're probably deathly afraid to go out on a limb and say, all right, well, we're going to roll back technology and here's how we're going to do it because there are a lot of implications for that in the golf business and professional tours for them legally speaking. So at the end of the day, I think we're still at the same place we were in 2003 or four where you go, okay, golf ball goes a long way. Uh, Clubs are better than ever. It doesn't seem like we're going to do anything about it. So why do we have this conversation? You know, the interesting thing is, is that everything is geared towards the professional game. The elite players uh, in the world that play professional golf, which is what, half of one percent or something like that. And yet and yet they're they're looking at this as a as a broad spectrum that it's ruining the game, ruining the game of golf with the distance. And yet they have no way of of gathering information and data on just a regular amateur player. So if that's going to be the process, then why are they so hesitant to announce the word or say the word bifurcation? What they use instead of that is local rule. And I think that's the most the one and truly only interesting part of this report to me, Bob, is that they finally suggested the possibility of a local rule. And that leads me to believe that they're not willing to go out on the limb and say we need different rules for amateurs and for professionals. So that there's a set of rules for, I don't know, what 50 million people play golf in the world for 49.998 million people versus the 2,000 people that play professional golf for a living. All right, there you go. That was our conversation with Ryan Balangy, golfnewsnet.com. And uh, Bob, before we... To send this thing home for another week here on 1280 The Zone, we got to take a moment for our Hoops Vision. See what you've been missing. Our good friends at Hoops Vision and HoopsVision.com. Go and schedule a free consultation. Tell them that you heard this right here on Real Golf Radio, and you'll save $1,000 on your LASIK procedure. How can you go wrong? Uh, They are the best in the business. Hoops Vision. Bob, Tiger Woods playing this week. We know he's in search of win number 83, but what are we missing? That You know, 83 would give him the record, but what we're missing is Tiger Woods has played or started um, here at Riviera Country Club for 12 times. And he has yet to win on this golf course, and it is the only golf course with that many starts that he's never won on on the PGA Tour. So 
That's what that's what you're missing. It is remarkable that he's played yep. there 12 times without a W. And as he said earlier in the week, quote, I need to get off the schneid, unquote, here at Riviera. So uh, yep. maybe he'll do that. You never know. But uh, wishing uh, Tiger the best on that. And uh, look, if we don't see him, I think the chase for 83 continues and probably wraps up at Bay Hill. I mean, that would be your next best guess. After that, it might be at Augusta National for a second Could green be. jacket. Yep. Either way. Yeah, Tiger keeps us on our toes and keeps us watching when he's teeing it up on the PGA Tour. All right, that'll do it for us. Again, much thanks to Dave Glauser, our producer, who does a great job for us each and every week. For Bob Casper, I'm Brian Taylor. We appreciate you joining us and hope to see you next week, Saturday mornings, 6 to 9, right here on 1280 The Zone. Thanks for listening to Brian and Bob on Real Golf Radio. Join us on Twitter at Real Golf or on our website at realgolfradio.com. It's been real.